Welcome to all of you who are here today to celebrate this feast of our Lord's resurrection with us. We all watched stunned and in disbelief this past Monday as Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris went up in flames. What a sad and shocking sight it was. To witness its iconic spire fall through the roof and the fiery ball of flames only grow stronger as it did was like watching the 9-11 attack on the Twin Towers in New York all over again. For a while, it seemed that this magnificent storied icon of a building had been destroyed. And if it felt that way for us here on this side of the Atlantic, how much more for the people of Paris and for all of France? Happily, all was not lost. And within hours, we learned that Notre Dame would be rebuilt. Within days, over a billion euros were pledged to the Restoration Fund. Like the phoenix rising from the ashes, it will live again. Now, Trinity Parish is no stranger to some of those feelings of sadness and loss. Our first building, a modest wooden structure down in Pioneer Square, fell to ashes in the Great Seattle Fire in 1889. But those intrepid pioneers made their way up First Hill to this location at 8th and James and built the stone church in which we worship today. It opened its doors in 1892. But just 10 years later, fire once again unleashed its fury and totally gutted the interior of this new church. The only thing left standing was the exterior stone walls. And yet, once again, the church was rebuilt, expanded even, and enhanced in the process. And within one year, yeah, only one year, they were back here worshiping in this place again. Nearly 100 years later, as some of you here today will remember, on Ash Wednesday in 2001, the Nisqually earthquake shook this place, causing serious damage. There was concern that it could not be saved or that it would simply cost too much to do so. But the impulse to rebuild was great. It required a five-year process and millions and millions of dollars for it to be restored and retrofitted to stand against the threat of future earthquakes. In each of these cases, something good, even better than what had been, came out of great tragedy and loss. These are all Easter stories. Mary Magdalene arrived early on the first day of the week at the tomb where Jesus had been laid. She and so many others had been devastated by the spectacle of Jesus' crucifixion. Nothing had prepared them for this. Even Jesus' own warnings that he would be handed over and would be killed, or in more coded language as he had once said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. But as she arrived at the tomb that Sunday morning, she found that the stone at the entrance had been removed. So she ran to Peter and another disciple, which is presumably John, to let them know that someone had removed his body. There was shock, sadness, and confusion. What would they possibly do now? The two disciples ran to the tomb, looked inside, saw the linen wrappings, and gradually began to remember and believe what they had heard Jesus say about being raised from the dead. Mary remained after they left, weeping, not knowing what was happening. 
She then looked into the tomb, and there she saw two angels who asked her, Why are you weeping? They've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. She looked around and saw another person who looked at her and also said, Why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, Mary, and she knew who he was. He told her to go and tell his brothers. She went and told them that she had seen the Lord and told them everything that he had said to her. Now in the hours and the days that followed, we hear of many appearances of Jesus to the disciples. And in the months and years to come, his presence continued to be felt and experienced as disciples gathered together, took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to each other. And the bread and wine that Jesus had told them to share and had told them that when they did this, they should remember him. He continued to show up in such a powerful way that they made their way throughout the known world to share this good news. And what was this good news? The good news was that death does not have the final word. That just when things seem they could not be worse, new life emerges. It became a story that was not only about that one singular event, but a a principle that animated all of creation and a way of looking at all of life. Suzanne Guthrie writes that the new rises from the old, our sins and mistakes, our frail bodies, our histories, events, relationships, tragedies, our senses, our memories, our intellects, our imaginations. In the fourth century, Hilary of Poitiers wrote, God will repair what has been shattered, but not by mending it with something else, rather out of the old and very same material of its origin, God will impart to it an appearance of beauty pleasing to himself. Poets and musicians and artists have found endless delight and inspiration in the revelation of old things being made new, of what was dead finding new life. It has inspired hope and possibility in people ever since and continues to do so today. For some, it is the casual realization that breaks in upon us, as it did for Thomas Merton standing on a street corner one morning when it dawned upon him that sunrise is an event that calls forth solemn music in the very depth of human nature, as if one's whole being had to attune itself to the cosmos and praise God for the new day, praise God in the name of all the creatures that ever were or ever will be. I look at the rising sun, he writes, and feel that now upon me falls the responsibility of seeing what all my ancestors have seen in the Stone Age and even before it, praising God before me. When the sun rises, each one of us is summoned by the living and the dead to praise God. The rebuilding of a Notre Dame or a Trinity Parish 
are in some ways, in some sense, sacramental signs of this reality. God is always and everywhere making all things new. I said last week following our reading of the Passion that the story would be continued today. Our journey this past week from the pain and suffering and loss of the cross to newfound hope and joy is the pattern that is imprinted on the life of all who seek to follow Christ and to pattern our lives after his. And it continues in each and every one of our lives if we have the eyes to see it. So today, may the life-giving presence of the risen Christ inspire hope in each and every one of us and fill us with new life today and always. Amen.